Yeah, you took the words. I was exactly going to say the same thing. It's like, it's if you think about planning something or, mm-hmm. or for 40,000 people, it's overwhelming. But there's individual experiences in that crowd that you think about, you know, the one who flew in from, yes. you know, <laughs> from Switzerland, which has happened, you know, the people that are coming from just across right. Jersey, the little girl who's three, the, the grandmother who just went natural five years ago, and she's like going on 80. Like, there's so many different experiences that are happening at the same time. I think when we're planning, we're thinking about those and not the not the, the scale, but the individuals. There's just more of them, but it's still just the same individuals that are coming in to join the experience. Created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Hello and welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir, and as always, I am so excited for our conversation today with our guest. They've been doing big things together with the Curly Girl Collective for over a decade now. Around a decade. See, let them tell their story. But I'm let can y'all introduce yourselves so I can just stop talking and embarrass myself for not knowing time. Who wants to go first? Um, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, my name is Tracy Coleman. Um, I am, I mean, so many ways I can answer that question. <laughs> I am a creative director of Fluent360, which is the multicultural ad agency in New York City. I am also um, one of the co-founders of Curly Girl Collective, um, also known for uh, being the founders of CurlFest. Um, and I am an alumna of MAPE um, from many moons ago. We won't talk about how long ago it's it was, but many. it was a while ago. <laughs> but I came into this business through um, MAPE. So happy to be here and, and, and see what we can offer this audience and see if you guys can learn a little bit from us. All right. And I'm Melody Henderson. I am also creative. I'm an um, art director by trade, creative director within advertising and tech. And similarly to Tracy, I'm also a co-founder of CurlFest and Curly Girl Collective, and I serve as our creative director, and I'm excited to have this chat today. Me too, me too. Thank you both for being here. And as you know, we got to do the red, yellow, green check-in, right? See how we're coming in. Red, you're here, but you're distracted. Green, you're 100% here, ready to go. Yellow, you're somewhere in between. Colors represent how you're doing. So where, how are you? Where are you? Tracy, why don't you go first? Tell everyone how you're coming in. I'm like a light yellow. Mm. Like, or like a, what is, what did you say? Green? So I'm like a, a light green. You know, like that lime green from the 80s? That's where I am. Okay. Because I'm like, I'm here, but it's the end of the day. So I'm like, that energy level is a little bit lower than it would be first thing in the morning. But I'm here and I'm ready to talk. All right. All right. little lime green. <laughs> Andy, how about you? Electric green. <laughs> and I'm actually... I'm actually wearing a yellow shirt and I think I'm wearing <laughs> yellow. I'm like somewhere in between. I think two energy levels a little lower because it's later. Um, but lots of creative juices flowing. So we're still going to get, we'll still get some good stuff. All right. We will. We will. And there's so many places to start. I don't, I mean, just, I don't know exactly where, where to start, but let's, you both work in advertising. Let's talk about your journey into advertising before we get into Curly Girl Collective and Curl Fest and all that great stuff. So let Melody go first. She has a, a more interesting story in the business. So we'll let her go. I, okay. I think so. I'm not sure. I think so. Now, yeah. <laughs> now I have to live up to that. No so pressure. Depends on how much time do we have? No. Well, as much five. time as you need. Five years old. Oh, wow. Early. No, but jokes aside, it actually did start quite young. Um, by trade, like I'm literally like a fine artist. And growing mm-hmm. up, you know, my family's migrated here. And typically, you know, the thing to be celebrated is a doctor, a lawyer, those are your aspirations. But my mom realized early on that I drew, um, that somehow we just discovered one day I was an artist. And she actually encouraged it. She encouraged it and she fostered it. She went out at the time, it was like pearl paint, and she would get me all these art supplies. And whenever I had like assignment to do, I would like draw the book cover 
and I wound up going to art school, high school. It was like the fame of art. And during that time, I got exposed to all the different avenues that you could do with art. Because prior, I just thought, okay, you could be a starving artist and, or you could be a famous artist, but you won't be famous until you're dead. And that was pretty mm. much my realm because even in school, that's all you learned about. Like you didn't learn about any modern day artists. It didn't feel like it was something you could do. But going to art and design, it exposed me. And at that time, way back, I decided I would do advertising because it was kind of like a hybrid between illustration and like academics, if you will. And then I went to Syracuse for advertising design. And I came out and landed my first job at um, FCB. What's it, BBO? <laughs> it's FCB. My first job at FCB um, as a as an art director. And then the and then the rest is is sort of history. But that's how I initially um, sort of got started in the industry. Is really just leaning into my creative side and discovering that there's stuff that you could do with it that could be quite um, fulfilling and and lucrative. Yeah, well, shout out, shout out to mom for encouraging that. Because listen, I I can bet you so many listeners can relate to. Here are the routes for you. Yes, doctor, lawyer, something with a trade that makes money that you can always you know count, count on. on. Forget this art thing. Yeah. Forget this music thing. Yeah. Forget anything else besides that. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. Yeah, that's that. What what a great story, Tracy. How about you? Well, there's some similarities in our story. You know, I um, I sort of fell into advertising, literally. I I started off, I was a pre-med biology major, and nice. I my plan in college was to go to med school. My mom was a doctor. I was good at science. So I was like, cool, I'll be a doctor. They help people. This is going to be great. And then somewhere around my senior year, I think it was my senior year, um, my mom was kind of like, so do you want to go to med school or not? Because you haven't taken the MCAT, you have an intern, like what's up? And I was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, no, I, I, I guess I want to go to med school. And she was like, well, have you thought about anything else? And the answer was no. Like all those years in college, I was just like, I'm good at science. I'm going to be a doctor. I never thought about anything else. Meanwhile, all through high school and just childhood, I was creative. But like Melody said, that was for the people on the street who drew like caricatures. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to like go get a job to make some money, you know? And so um, when my mom said that, I was like, it kind of opened it up for me. Like, oh, like I can do whatever I want. Okay. And around that same time, I met a girl who was a studio art major and I went to her house and this is back when, you know, we were making <laughs> party flyers in Photoshop. And I was like, you, this is your major? And she was like, yeah, no, you can get a job doing this. She was like, yeah. And I remember that day vividly. It was my senior year. I'm sitting on a computer playing with Photoshop. I did not want to get out of my chair. I did not want to get up. I wanted to sit there and play with whatever little red box and little circle I was making on the computer. And I wanted that feeling every day, you know? So from there, I just kind of asked for some questions. I finished my degree. So I do have a degree in biology that I did nothing with. And that's fine. You know, I went back to school for design. And then, you know, when I was my undergrad at Florida State, I saw a flyer for this internship called MAPE. And I was like, well, that sounds like an advertising thing. I'm going to try to do that. And I applied to MAPE and that's how I got into the business. But literally it was just kind of like, well, what else can I do? You know, and got some internships and explored like the different sides of advertising and realized I wanted to be a designer. So I went back to school for design and got into advertising that way. Wow. I mean, first off, Again, shout out to mom for questioning. Make sure you want to do what you <laughs> want to do. And also, y'all were advanced using Photoshop to make party flowers. I was still using PowerPoint, <laughs> Word. That was, listen, y'all were on yeah. some stuff. So that's that's great. And you know, I don't know how the I don't know what they made the mate flyer on. What was you said Florida State? You meant, but you know, I'm glad you saw it. But tell us, you know, let's just pause a little bit and talk a little bit about your mate experience. Tell us, like, I mean. I mean, it was like, what, three years ago. So how big was the class? And <laughs> what, you know, where'd you do it? No, it's cool. Because I don't know who's listening. I was at Make Four. Shout out to Make Four if anybody's listening. Make Four? What? Um, and it was amazing. You know, I, I think coming into it knowing nothing, you know, I wasn't even an advertising major. So, I mean, I kind of knew a little bit from that one class I'd taken at um, the Art Institute. But coming into Make, it just opened up the whole world of, of, of what advertising was and getting to experience it through the other interns. So, you know, I, I came up to New York and 
you know, I was interning at FCB and that was a great experience. You know, I was doing mostly digital banners, but I, but I say I didn't know what I was getting into. Like I accepted an internship under the guise of like, Tiffany was like, you want an internship in digital? I'm like, what's digital? Is that like a PowerPoint or something? Like, sure, I'll do whatever it is, you know? So I get there and not really knowing what I'm getting into. So I, that summer I learned, you know, all about, you know, at the time we were doing banner ads and things like that. I just learned the business and in that time in New York. But for me, what I did at work that summer is not what I remember all these years later about me. I remember, you know, the other interns, we're still friends to this day. We're still colleagues to this day. So that's something that's come with me. You know, I think it's a great network. And then I also remember even at that time, fresh out of school, thinking like we have the keys to like every agency in this city, you know, like New York is like the the mecca of advertising. And we were given like a list of all these contacts at every single company, you know, virtually in the whole city. And I was like, wow, like there's some value in who we are and giving us this information, you know, because they trusted us to be able to reach out and spread our wings in this business. And I felt privileged to be a part of that and was grateful coming out of it. I think I did not have a job initially, but through another intern, I got my job. And so the network of what MAPE is, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, those people who are MAPE, they're now working with Ad Color. They're now working with AF. They're now, you know, at the four A's. And that's a network that has grown with me throughout my career. And it started off with MAPE. So the summer was great. You know, whether your internship is everything you dreamed of or not, it, it doesn't matter as much. But the people and the network are priceless. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I haven't run the program and seen that happen. I mean, I've seen MAPE mentees get their mentors jobs later on i've seen like all it's just the network just spans out and you know even doing this podcast we wouldn't do it it wouldn't be possible without the mape alumni community yeah i hired my my boss i hired a few years ago was a mentor in mape you know she was looking for a job and i was like oh, I need a boss. Interested? And that's literally how she joined our agency. So you just never know, you know, whether it's, you know, hiring up or hiring down. You just don't know who can support you in your career journey um, once you're part of this network. So I can't stress enough how important it is to lean into the people in this community just as much as the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Speaking of communities, let's talk about Curly Girl Collective what y'all have done that so let's start at well some beginning how did it start what spurred the idea what brought you all because there's what five of you that started it right what brought the five of you together and said you know this is what we need to do you want to go first Melvin? yeah sure and, and and it's funny we get asked this question a lot but each time it's almost like you you we feel the feelings of the very beginnings, like as if it just happened. Um, mm. And I think it's because it's so grounded in there was just a need. And I think when you do anything that's born out of a need or it, it heightens the purpose of it. So, you know, ironically, Tracy and I actually met, we were both at the same advertising agency at the time. I had just started, um, Tracy had been there a while. And of course, you know, the industry is quite small, as we all know. And when it comes to female and black female and black female creative, there's like five of us <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so I noticed her in the hall. And at the time I was uh, transitioning, for those that you don't know who's listening, I was transitioning my hair from rela chemically relaxing it to wearing it naturally curly. And I was feeling kind of self-conscious about it because it was like the first time I had done it and I mean, since I was a child and Tracy happened to see me in the hall the day that I debuted my natural hair at work, I had just started and she's like, I love your hair. And I'm like, oh, thank you, sis. <laughs> right? We didn't really know each other. We would just see each other in passing, maybe going to the you know kitchen. And I happened to loosely say, oh yeah, I'm, I don't even know what to do with my hair anymore now that I have it natural. And she said, oh, well, we have a natural hair chain and it's just a group of friends of friends and we kind of talk about hair. I'll add you to the email chain. And that's essentially through my lens, that's how it sort of all, that was the catalyst. Tracy was sort of the catalyst introduction mm. to this smaller community of, I don't know, maybe it was like 
15 of us or 16. Um, where we just chatted all day, every day about hair, what to do, the pros, the cons, the triumphs, how to wear it to an interview, you know, what to do, how to detangle it, all these terms that at the time, um, you know, 10 years ago, if more, if not more, a little bit more than 10 years ago, there really wasn't anyone to talk to about that stuff. So kind of we're in this vacuum where you just kind of look to YouTube and for answers. But now I had this like smaller community of people who understood exactly what I was going through. And one day um, we had kind of, the group started to grow. I think it maybe was like 50 of us from all over, friends of friends. And we were like, oh, whoever's in New York, maybe we should have a little meetup. So Tracy being Tracy volunteered her house and a bunch of us got together, I don't know, maybe 10 or so. And um, we had a hairdresser, Tracy's hairdresser came. We had um, little gift bags and we just sat around in person and talked and championed each other. You got to see each other's texture, got advice. And it was just a fellowship. The bigger underscore was a fellowship. And it felt just really good to be in person. And then there were a few of us, definitely the five, <laughs> who didn't know how to go home. And that night we were just like, how can we bottle this up? Other people probably would love this kind of experience too. Just getting together in person, human, human contact. And that night we started, like, I think there was like a whiteboard, like a big paper. And we literally got a Sharpie, true advertising style, and just started brainstorming, like, how can we do this bigger? Little did we know it would then become, um, you know, Curlfest was birthed out of that. But Curly Girl Collective, that's when we started. That night, we literally came, I think we put out a little survey amongst us on voting on what the name would be. And we're like, we're going to do this a little bigger. And at the time, like our very first event, I think it was within a few months after that night, we um, had a space in Chelsea and we had about, I think it was, was it like 200 people maybe, Trace? Well, like 200 people came out. Yeah, 250, 250. came out. And it was mm -hmm. friends of friends and we were so excited. And we had like the gurus in the business at the time. Miss Jessie's came and did a live big chop. And we we're like, okay. 200 people came out for this, we might be onto something. And then our community just grew and grew and um, it eventually led us to, to brainstorming again on how can we create something um, similarly, but where more people could come. And we were like, well, what if we do a, I don't know, maybe like a picnic in a park. <laughs> <laughs> and which is now known as the world's largest beauty festival, which is which is Confest. Um, but at the time, it was it was humble humble beginnings, and then that's you know that's essentially how we started. We started as just a group of friends, wanting to fellowship and support one another and celebrate who we are. That's great. I mean, fellowship. First off, I can't imagine two hundred people in one place at well, this point that. in time, right? And, <laughs> right? But like humble beginnings to, you know, I've actually been, I, I don't, I don't have curls on my head, but I've been to Curl Fest a couple of times and like blown away. Tracy, I'm actually interested because, you know, Melody, you said that Tracy was like, hey, what's up? We have this email list. Like, where did that, let's, let's go like to the prelude. Where did that email list even start that you were able to add Melody to? I came on fairly early, but it's just friends are friends. I think that the Black community in New York specifically, even across industries, is still pretty tight, you know? So I feel like there were a few women that I knew just, and they were like in finance and like other fields. I had met them before. I met, I met a girl who, again, we were all on the same journey, you know? So I think that at the time, like Melody said, you know, anybody who had information on how to do this right, you know, you want to talk to them. And so I think it was an organic thing, just like Melody said, like somebody probably was like, oh, we were on this, you know, this hair chain, you want to, you want to join. And I just joined. It was just a few people at the time, you know, and but when I say literally, because this is mine, you gotta, let's, let's go back a little yes. bit. This is before like, WhatsApp, you know, group me. This is before, like, okay. <laughs> I don't even know if Gmail was nesting. It was a mess. It was like all day, every day, your inbox was full of messages about hair, about product, about stylists, about like, like, or, or conversations about like, you know, 
I um I want to cut my hair, but I'm not sure if my boyfriend's gonna like it. You know, so those conversations mm. and how to how to navigate those when you have someone that you care about who's who has to go through this journey with you and the realities of what that those conversations are like. So it was everything. It wasn't just like what's the best like you know curl cream to put on your hair. It was a range of conversations, and we were so drawn into it that you want to share that with anybody who is sort of looking for information. So honestly, I don't remember like the the time like with Mel like who remembers. I don't remember. I know who invited me, but I don't remember when it was. I just know that when I got in, I was drawn into the energy of the group and the fact that it went yes. beyond the hair. It became a place where we were all uplifting each other in general in our lives. And so, you know, one day it might be about like, you know, this new curling rod thing. And the next day it might be about like the interview, you know, and how you want to give a good first impression. And what does that mean, you know, when it comes to natural hair? So it was a range of conversations. And that uplifting spirit, that empowerment piece is something we carry with us to this day with Curl Fest. So it's not just about styling per se, you know, or the texture you choose to wear your hair. It's about uplifting each other and affirming beauty as black women and women of color, you know, and that started from the exactly. very beginning. In that I mean, that, that affirmation is exactly what happened in the hall in the advertising agency. Like Tracy just saying, I love your hair in that moment. It was more than my hair. It was affirming that I was okay to come to work as an executive the way I actually, you know, my hair naturally grows out of my head. And, you know, that underscore in of itself, the fact that that even meant so much is very telling of the times, right? Like it, it actually shouldn't have even been a topic of discussion, but, but it was, yeah. Yeah, and I just, I got a eight-year-old daughter and- She's eight now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's eight. Going on like 35. <laughs> and I remember bringing her, you know, to Curl Fest and watching her eyes just like widen as she sees people who have hair like hers, different than hers, but just so proud of how their hair is and just basking in that and also being overwhelmed because it was like, <laughs> A million people out there, but just sitting there in in like amazement that like this could be a place where she could feel free to be like happy and with her hair as it is. Um, so thank you all for that creating that place. Thank you. Like your daughter is. We always talk about our why. Your daughter's our why. You know, she and all the girls that come and do the exact same thing you just described. It's something that we experience pretty much every year at some point. You know, you'll, in the craziness of production, you'll have a moment where you stop and there's somebody in front of you who like changes your whole life. It's just like, wow. And it's, it, it, yeah, somebody who's younger, who's just taking in what they see, which is just beauty in our community, you know? And I think just seeing that alone is, it, it just broadens it beyond an event or a festival. It's like, it's it's shifting the perception of the next generation and how they feel about you know their beauty. You know, I have a niece that's like she started coming to Curl Fest when she was two. I think she was two or three. You know, um, and she was just having her little you know her little curly fro. But I remember her breaking her neck like all the all the women like wow 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 this is this is amazing. And now she's old enough to like you know she has a favorite hairstyle and she wants to wear her hair her hair a certain way at Curl Fest. But it, but this is years. Of, mm -hmm. of having how she looks be affirmed by coming to an event like Girl mm -hmm. Fest, you know? So that confidence mm -hmm. she has now um, is not accidental, you know? And it comes from being surrounded and, and affirmed from a very young age. So, you know, your daughter and other girls like her keep us going. So thank you for bringing her. Oh, she, first of all, I got a shout out to Alicia who does her hair now, but she is so happy when she gets her braids but also when she takes them out and she's happy any way her hair is. And she can't wait to go to school and be like, look at my hair, however it is. So it's amazing. So I, I want to, because that sentiment of like, like that melody you got from just the interaction with Tracy to the 200 people, to the, you know, all the little girls out there to like thousands. I mean, I don't, how many people do their last in-person curl fest? In, in New York. 40,000 people in New York. Okay. All right. So 60,000 people just at the club. How do you take that? How do you keep that kind of one interaction that you two had that was like, I was affirmed and grow it 
to that level and keep it so strong? What does it take to get there? Do that. Yeah. Patience. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, there's so many ways to answer that. I think one thing Melody has been great about is social listening. And so I think that you, you have to listen to what people want. And I think that every time we create an experience, it's like, what is it people enjoy about what we've done? And granted, we started on a small scale, a smaller event with 200 people, mm -hmm. right? So at that event with 200 people, what do people love about it? What were they talking about? What are they saying on social media? What are they posting about? Take those things and repeat, you know, and then build on it, you know, do it differently. How can you create a different experience? But don't forget those things that people enjoy, bring that with you. And I think that we've done that over the, the past decade, you know, things that happened in, in my apartment, things that happened at the very first event, the joy people got, the things that brought joy to people, we bring them all the way through CurlFest. So it's a little bit of consistency and then paying attention to what people want. You know, I think one thing you can run into as you grow is like, how can we make it bigger and different and compete with, you know, mm -hmm. other events? And it's like, like, no, what, what do your, what is your base? What are you, what is your audience? What is your, what do your guests want to see and experience um, and continue to be consistent with that. And that's a base for obviously we have we pride ourselves in being creative and, and different, but at the at the base of all of that is is listening to what people want and giving more of that. You know, that's just the best advice I can no, I think give. That's no, you may have something else. I but. mean, you know, I'm also the, the if I say passion one more time, it's probably it's like the buzzword for me. It has been from the very onset, and I think so much of what we do is still grounded grounded in being passionate about it. And I think when you're passionate about it, that means you're going to really put things through a lens. You're really going to try to hold on to, like Tracy said, sort of the magic. Um, and, and so much of, um, if you will, in, in like industry terms, so much of scaling. So scaling successfully is being able to take what you started and make it bigger, but still feel like it was smaller. And, uh, and a lot of times, you know, we'll be brainstorming. Um, you know, when you get to 40,000 people, yeah, you still want, we still want those connections. We still want those walk away and feeling like you connected with other humans. And and that's so much of what made it beautiful in the beginning. And that's what we still, so it's just almost like you create, you almost create like little pockets of mini universes within the bigger, larger curl fest, if, if that makes sense. But um, hands down every year, even as we scaled, tears are on stage. There's always someone in the crowd that connects with us on some level and leaves a mark, you know, and, and you figure that is just my personal experience or Tracy's or Charisse's or Simone's, but each individual person in the audience is also having these little micro moments. And I think um, as long as we can continue to look through it as that, like, you don't, we don't think and we're planning something for 40,000 people. We're planning something for your daughter, right? We're planning something for jessica from the bronx right you really are thinking of it as that one person not as this massive broadcast to the world yeah you took the words i was exactly going to say the same thing it's like it's if you think about planning something or, mm -hmm. or for forty thousand people it's overwhelming but there's individual experiences in that crowd that you think about, you know, the one who flew in from, yes. you know, <laughs> from Switzerland, which has happened, you know, the people that are coming from just across right. New Jersey, the little girl who's three, the, the grandmother who just went natural five years ago and she's like going on 80. Like there's so many different experiences that are happening at the same time. I think when we're planning, we're thinking about those and not the, not the, the scale, um, but the individuals, there's just more of them, but it's still just the same individuals that are coming in and enjoying the experience. I, I, I love that answer. It's like, it, first off, it's so, it's not, I can feel it's so true to who you are and like what you're trying to do. And it's like, I don't even know. I'm just, I'm literally trying to figure out how to say this because it's just so real. Like we just, we don't want to scale just to grow and make more money. We like, we want to scale this experience because this experience is important and you can only scale an experience by focusing on that, those people who are there. Right. And I do, I do agree with what you said, like the couple of times I went to curl fest, like there were pockets of experiences for people to really get in. And even if you were paying attention on stage, like everyone, they're in their bubble and they're, they're experiencing that and you still create places around. Right. Because 
I mean, I remember going and being like, yeah, there's nothing for me. <laughs> oh, wait, there is something for me here. I can go over there. Like, this is, yeah, okay. And so I, I even, you know, connecting, even though I don't, I don't curls on my head, just have curls on my face, um, still find a way to connect and grow. And then, of course, because of my daughter, that'll always be, be something. The great thing about what you're saying about, like, is there something for me here? is to see the numbers of men who have, you know, start to come out. Because in the beginning, yes, it was an event with like 95, 98% women, because it's the Curl Fest, right? You think it's an event about hair. And over the years, what has happened is that, <laughs> well, the funny thing is, in the beginning, what would happen is that towards the end of the day, you would see all the guys who, would, well, the few guys who had found out about it were all on the phone calling somebody, right? <laughs> calling somebody, like, bro, you got to get out here. And then the last hour of Curl Fest, there would be all these guys coming into the park. Like, what is <laughs> happening? There's so many more guys here now than there was this morning. And so, and so it was funny back then because you know all the guys are coming. But now what's interesting now that people have experienced it, yes, there's women there. But I think that the men are coming now when we ask them, like, what brings you here? They're coming to support the movement. They're coming to support and affirm the women that are there. They're like, we love this. We love, you know, sisters like who are loving themselves. Like the answers we get back is like, yes, they're there, but they're there and they're excited to come. You know, they bring their friends and they're just coming to celebrate women of color. And it's and it's beautiful to see that, you know, that it, it, it just, there's a different energy at Carl Fest that, I mean, I know we're biased, but I don't think I've experienced it anywhere else. And the men that come are part of that. They're really there to celebrate with us. It is, it's really nice to see. I mean, I agree. There's no, there is nothing like it, honestly. You know, I remember the first time I literally just like, I happened to be meeting someone, someone was leaving or going away and I, we just were meeting in the park and I'm like, what is this happening over here? And after that, I was just like, oh, and then my, my mom, my sister knew about it and they were trying to come in. You know, it was, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it at all. And, you know, I know y'all expanded to Atlanta in 2019. Right, exactly. Right? I was about to say last year because I just want to forget. Yeah, everybody keeps saying last year. I'm like, happened. <laughs> you know, and that, you know, so what, if you think about the future of Curlfest, what do you all envision it becoming? It's a good question. And I think, you know, I'm, I can only speak for myself. There isn't an answer to, like, there isn't the, a way that the event looks, you know, or, or where it is, this is a broader answer. Like it's the same thing from before. I just hope that more women can experience it, whatever that looks like, you know, mm. wherever that is, wherever you live in the world. I think my hope is that more women can experience the joy that we've created here um, in the future, you know, so that there's, and when it comes to scaling a business, there's so many different ways to execute that, whether it's geography or size or your numbers and that sort of thing. So it, that isn't the answer. They, at the end of the day, if, if we're able to provide this experience to more women who've never been to Curl Fest and been able to experience what it feels like to be affirmed by this many women, then that's, we've done our job, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I would just add to that. I think it's definitely, we tend to look at it on this higher level. Like we want to be change agents, right? We want to be change agents. We want to be leaders. We want to leave a legacy. And and a lot of times why it's hard to answer that question is if we think of it just as what will Curlfest be in X, Y, Z years, that means we haven't left the room for the ebbs and the flows. We haven't left room for it to morph and become, you know, sort of what it needs to become. And we've been able to do that along this journey we didn't know. Like I told you in the beginning, if we dig up the old graphics that I did in my living room, it literally said picnic. <laughs> yeah. Can you send those out? Said, <laughs> yeah, 10 look back, I'm mortified. P.S. We get, we get a 10 year look back. <laughs> but, but. It just shows but, the development you know, you've had as an, um, as an you artist. Know, when we first started, we really thought of it, oh, as a picnic, right? And now it's grown to a, a massive festival. But again, that could mean who knows what it becomes. I mean, even last year was an evolution. We did our first beauty festival because a virtual beauty festival, rather. Um, and, and again, we didn't, I mean, no one could have foresaw last year in any capacity. Right. But again, when we talk about what drives us and the social listening and what do we need, we knew our audience still needed something from us. We knew we still 
needed to show up last year, even though we couldn't show up in person. And I think as long as we can, my hope is that we can um, continue to do that, just show up for our community and, and sort of champion. And they, they feed us as much as we feed them. And I think, um, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Like, what is what is next year? What's two years? What's five years from now? Um, and, and sort of the unknown is, is, is a big part what makes it exciting for us. Um, really, when you think about gener gen generations and, and sort of leaving a legacy um, for, for those that are coming up. That's right. Legacy. I thought of this while you both were talking, and I wanted to, if it's okay with you, take a step back and actually discuss a little bit the difference between Curly Girl Collective and Curlfest, right? So like Curlfest is the, the movement, the event, the community. Curly Girl Collective is what? <laughs> Curly Girl Collective, you know, is, is a business, you know, and I think that, you know, I know for sure in the MAPE community, there are tons of side hustlers and dreamers and visionaries who have ideas that they want to bring to life. So Curly Girl Collective is an idea, you know, it's a group, it's a business that, we, that births, you know, a movement. Um, but at the base of that was, you know, these five women that had to come together. And, and first things first, like what, like, how do we create this? Before you even get to an event, there's so many logistics about business and event planning. And it was a huge learning curve for us to, to do all of this before we even got to Curlfest. And so our business is Curly Girl Collective and, you know, we've been creating experiences from, you know, from day one. And, the, and one of those experiences is Curlfest, but we, as a collective group, you know, you know, Melody and I are in advertising. We have partners who've been in finance and partners in PR and partners in sponsorship. And so we've used our collective experience together to create different experiences. And who knows, you know, 10 years from now, maybe there's something else that we'll be talking about, you know, that we're creating, mm -hmm. but the base of that is is Curlico collective and that's who we are yeah i mean the the fact that it's because uh, I, I think what happens you know we all know, see this is you see something like curl fest and you're like whoa they just did that straight out the gate no, there was, you know they knew it all they had it all together <laughs> i wish y'all could see their faces right no. now <laughs> all together but then like that's why i asked because i was like there has there's there's a story behind what it took to get there and the creation of a business and that learning curve and yeah Y'all can't see Melody's face right now, but it's, it's <laughs> saying something about that journey, saying something about that journey. When you look back on that journey, what it took to build the business to that, that created the movement, what's, what's maybe some advice you want to give to, you know, folks out there who are looking, you know, to do something similar, to start something. I would say probably start, <laughs> definitely start, definitely start. I think, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty as it should be. But I think everything, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason and it happens in the order that it should. But, you know, so when we started out, we had no, we, we just had no, idea. We, we had no idea of what it would become. Um, but as we went, we definitely leaned on our individual expertise. We, we, we definitely leaned on how those intertwined almost as a puzzle. And then we figured out where those gaps were that might have been missing or, or we needed to, to backfill from friends. I mean, we've had so many friends just support us and help us and get advice from and um, just sort of champion you along the way. So I would say definitely who your team is and your team may look like the actual business partners. And it also looks like your network, you know, not unlike what Tracy, you know, sort of was saying about me. It really is what is the fuel that's kind of, no one does anything in this world by themselves. That's number one, right? Um, and even coming from an advertising world, everything's a partnership, right? In some capacity. And I think getting smart on like what you're really good at and then getting smart on what you're not really good at and being okay with seeking out help for that. You know, so I think so many times we think we have to be able to do it all. And some days you do. But some days it's okay to say, you know what, this is not my wheelhouse, but you are, and maybe there's a barter or maybe there's something that you're able to, to, to offer that they can then exchange what you might be lacking. So I would say start and then build a great network. And then I would add, um, a lot of times when you have this, this baby, this like, 
this idea you want to like keep it to yourself till it's perfect right like get all the things right and make all the i's and cross the t's and when it's perfect and you'll bring it to the world right and i think that you know in addition to starting before you're actually ready is tell people about it you know let people in on your vision i think that when you know mm. if there's something out there that has a purpose bigger than you and you're like the gatekeeper of that once you start telling people about it and sharing your vision and your passion it's almost like the universe conspires to help you and make it happen so as you mention things to people you'll be surprised at what they can offer you know maybe one person's financial maybe it's advice you know maybe it's a venue maybe it's something you had no idea how to figure out and somebody was able to help you with that so don't be afraid to to share it before it's like fully baked per se start talking about it you know and put it out there and and you'll be you'll be surprised you know the headwinds behind you as you start to bring it to life cuz now you're not by yourself you know you're if you have a partner great but if you don't have a partner that's even more reason to share it with people to see how it all comes together so don't be afraid to talk about it even if it's just a little idea well, I've always thought about doing this thing start talking about it start talking about it and see how <laughs> yeah but what if someone steals my idea and does it first <laughs> what, and everybody? what if what if everyone says it's not a good idea I didn't say, what put if... it on facebook i said <laughs> <laughs> And I think I think that that plays into Melody what you were saying is like you know yeah you got to do it and build your community so know your community that you can talk to mm-hmm. that is there to you know not to support you and like yeah 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 that's great that's great but also challenge you challenge you in a way like you know that's great could you do it better could you do it differently like how are you thinking about this angle that angle you know and really push you to kind of make it the best that it could be because if it's just sitting in by yourself in this silo you know you might actually never do it because you're it's never going to be perfect yeah it's only it's need space to evolve and move grow right as you were saying melody about the future of curl fest like if we dictate a future we won't we don't give it its opportunity to spread its wings and become what the people need right as it became a virtual event in 2020 and who knows what it will be you know 2021 two three four five whatever it is that's great great advice (laughs) I'm going to take, I'm going to start something tonight, <laughs> something. I don't know what it is. I need to, I need to find my community to, to talk to it about. So it is 2021. It's a different, it's a brand new world. What is on the books for Curl Fest? It's on the books for 2021 is getting ready for no, 2022. It, <laughs> like, that's fine. I'm just, I mean, it's 2021 now. Like what's. What's, you know, the, the next curl fit, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen this year. You know, it was like, what's, what are the plans? What are y'all thinking? It's almost like a fresh start. You know, I think that mm. obviously, like I, I said before, bringing back what we, you know, what people love, right? So that, that will obviously be in the plan for 2022. But I think that also there's some exploration because the world has changed. Like we've changed mm-hmm. how we attend events. We've changed the possibilities of who can attend an event virtually. So I think that in addition to bringing back what we all love and are ready for, like if I can go to Crowfest this weekend, I would, you know, I think a lot of people would, but in addition to bringing that back, you know, what else can we bring back? What, what, what came from the past two years on the good side of it that we can, you know, bring into next year. And I don't have the answer to that right now, but I think that, you know, we'll be looking at, you know, what we did in 2020, what we've done for the past 10 years and seeing like what new experience, you know, or series of experiences does does it look like in 2022, you know? Um, and, and now that the world's opening back up, I think there'll be a new appreciation for whatever's created, you know, allegedly opening back up, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I think that the things are different now, you allegedly. know, so, but, but in a good way that opens up the possibilities of what um, we would probably do for next year. But definitely look for, for us to be back on the lawn together for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And what I love about that is it connects back to what you're all saying that drew you to, to build this movement in the first place. Like, what do, what does the community want? And, you know, the world has changed, but each one of us has changed too. Right. And if you just, if you don't tap back into that and take some time to do that, you could be missing the mark on really serving that community. So I do, I really appreciate it. It's like, you know, we're going to take a step back. We're not going to rush back into this. We're going to figure out what's needed in this new world with these people who have shifted and changed what matters to them or not. 
we got to figure that out. Yeah, it's a question. There's so many experiences from last year and this year that I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Like, what's it going to be like when we have to go, quote unquote, go back to normal, you know? So it's like just any pieces of magic that happened, you know, as a result of, of the past year and a half, um, you know, are there ways we can bring that into next year on top of what we already do, you know, when we're all together. So it's an exercise that I think a lot of, of businesses are doing now, just trying to see how do we adjust to the new yeah, I mean, normal, I think, I think you know, as thing, we go into um, next year. That we pride ourselves as, with our business is a lot of times we say we're, we're, we, we're, our, we're the audience, like the five of us are actually the audience. And if we continue to use that filter as well, it helps determine what's next. It helps determine what we, what we need. We, we never do anything that doesn't feel right to us. Um, and, and typically that is a mirror image of our audience as well. So I think it's, if we can hold on to that, you know, when we talk about how the last year and a half has changed our lives, that's a very real thing. And how does that show up, right? And if I looked at it like, okay, well, Melody, if you were just doing this for yourself, you probably would want things to maybe shift a little and check this box because now you feel blank about blank. I think as long as we can still run our business through that filter, um, I think our community will be pleased. I'm going to go ahead and say it. They're going to be elated. <laughs> All right, y'all heard it. Yeah, no, and I think I think you're right. Um, businesses can't go back to the way they were, right? The world has changed, people have changed, and so taking that time to really, especially when you're, are, you know, you're doing something for a community, you, you got to meet the community where they are, not dictate where they're going. So, I, <laughs> you, know, you know, any you, know, you guys, you know, any um folks who can design you know, art directors, things like that. <laughs> Maybe. And just a few. Just a few. Well, I, I, I want to thank you both for sharing all that. I know we could talk forever about this and where it's going and, and all these things. Um, I want to give you, you know, we always do like the last segment, 60 seconds to kind of leave everything out on the table, make sure nothing is left unsaid. This is your opportunity to leave it all out. um i would say listen to your heart and you know i think that anybody who's still listening to this podcast has something on their heart most likely you know and i think that maybe there's i think a lot of times we second guess you know what our purpose is or or maybe it's not big enough or maybe it's not important enough but whatever that thing is it doesn't have to be a festival whatever that thing is that's on your heart listen to it and and you know, bring that to life, whatever that thing is, um, when the right time comes, and you'll know when the time is, you know. So, you know, I think, you know, we all have people come up to us, sort of like, well, "How'd you do it?" And a lot of times, behind that question is like, "Well, I have this thing, you know, that I've always wanted to do," you know. And it's like <laughs> we're just want to be like, "Just do it," you know, "Just do it." But but the doubt and the question, the second guessing is always there, and we get it, we've been there. But I think that if your heart is still telling you something, you know, next month you're still thinking about it and next year you're still thinking about it. Just, just run with whatever it is. And, and the things you need, the people you need will find you, you know, but you have to start. I'm going to say ditto. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but (laughs) I mean, I think similarly, I was going to (laughs) say, lean into, and it's a little cliche, but literally lean into what you're passionate about. Like get something that makes you happy and excited to get up and do it. You know, I think especially coming off of last year, um, it's heightened the importance of really being present and conscious and, and selective what you do with your time. And we have that choice. A lot of us feel like we don't have the choice of what we choose to do. And this is career, this is side hustle, this is all of it. We actually own that power. No one can really take it from us. And it's like, if you're able to tap into the thing that makes you happy in some capacity, um, I mean, really, I would love to be on a turquoise, you know, turquoise water on the beach every day. And we talk about what really makes me happy, but you know, there's there's a scale 
of, of the stuff that falls in between. But I think if you're able to tap into that, you'll be surprised <laughs> at the magic that comes um, and, and the fuel that comes with it. Because when you're passionate about something, you find the energy, you find the time, you make it happen. So I would say, if anything, um, that would be my last of it. All right. Well, thank you both for taking the time, spending this time with us, sharing the knowledge. I'm I'm super excited. I say that all the time. I'm just super excited. There's a lot of excitement about what's going to happen in 2022 with CurlFest, how you all will take what the community needs and where they are and bring it to them. <laughs> It's a little asterisk. I guarantee. No, I'm kidding. I'm saying it's a time. It's recording. No, I, I appreciate you both for the work you've done, Curly Girl Collective, and the rest of your co-founders as well. Carl Fest, creating the movement, creating a place for women like my daughter to come and celebrate who they are in all aspects of it. And look to have yeah, I look forward to, you know, attending a curl fest in the future. Yes. So, thank you both. See you next year. Yes. Yes, you will. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you listeners. And until next time.